Welcome to Art in the Open Podcast, where discussions are open and judgment closed. Yes, Hosted sir. by me, Jay Mackin. Safely Andre. Coach Cherry. And I'm just Jacob. And we are Welcome back to another episode of the Out in the Open Podcast. It's your host, Jim Mackin, and I'm with my co-host today, Eve Funza. What's good? Hey. What's going on? We, we here on a Saturday. <laughs> on a yes, Saturday. Yes, we put the pressure on everybody that's doing podcasts, that's doing YouTube, that's doing Instagram, TikTok. <laughs> I we guess. consistent. <laughs> yes, sir. Most talked about. Let's get it. And, oh, also, big shout outs to everyone that's been following. If y'all don't know, now y'all know, we hit 300 followers Breaking our previous record, and now we going out for more. A thousand, let's go. <laughs> yes, sir. Cool. And big shout out to my co-host, um, Jiko. Yes. yes. So, big shout outs. Man, we miss you over here, man. I a little bit. We're going to go ham on this episode, too. Oh, yeah, he was. So, yeah, he was. You know, he really wanted to be here. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think he was the main one that was reaching out to you. Mm-hmm. He was, yeah. yeah. So yeah. big shout out to Jaco. Yeah, big <laughs> shout out, man. We love you, man. You feel me? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, but, I love you. Hey, I love you. You know you're my brother. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, I bet your jit gonna get on your ass. I bet. It is Watch. what it is. Ooh. <laughs> you be like, wow. <laughs> right? Um, but for the people watching or listening, go ahead and give us a like on YouTube. You know, make sure you share and subscribe because Man, we found go ham. I don't know if you guys are ready for us. You know, we out in the open. We out in the open on we everything, ready. man. Like, we're going to bring the pressure to you. You feel me? Okay. Sure. Sure. For, for okay. This, Ooh. <laughs> pressure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's still a little hot in here. Wait a minute. Yeah, it's still a little hot in here. Um, but for this episode, for this episode... Eve, would you do me the favor, Ooh. please? Uh, oh, go, go ahead and introduce our guest for today. <laughs> our special guest. Okay, our y'all. Guest. So today we have y'all. When I first met her, I was starstruck. Yeah, I was like, "Is it starstruck? Starstruck?" I was like, "Oh my god, it's Shirley." But y'all, it's Shirley Joy in the house. Hey, hey, what's Content up, you guys? Creator. Yes. There was this. Is it sex therapy? Yeah, that is my day job. I'm a sex therapist by day. Whoa. Yes. Oh, you had to get into that. I thought you were just a therapist. <laughs> I mean, so uh, the the misconception is that like therapists only fit in one box. Yeah. So I'm a therapist, but I work with couples. I work on relationships. Ooh. And a lot of times, you know, relationships always end up in sex. So there's some sex content there. That's true. But mainly like the sex part comes from social media. Like people are a little bit afraid of going to therapy for sex. And usually it's like sexual trauma, not really like learning about sex. So social media is where like I use to have those deep conversations about sexuality and stuff oh, yeah, like that. going to dive into that. Yeah. I'll be tuning into that when I'm like, oh. oh. <laughs> yeah, yes. It's called more that. orgasms, please. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, you didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. I didn't tune into that. When I was doing my research on you, Shirley, um, I, I noticed that you do a lot of things. I do. And he was even telling me all the things that you do. And I'm just like, more? <laughs> Yeah, because he was like, I was like, when she gets here, don't just ask her about therapy. And he was like, I mean, that's what she does. I'm like, no. no I, was I, like, do I was like, do you follow her like on a day-to-day basis? Like, yeah. I do. She doesn't only do therapy. Oh, yeah, so I, I am the renaissance woman of the 21st century. That was like a, a thing that I called myself when I first started my influencer career. But yeah, like I've been alive for some time and I have used every single ounce of it to like 
figure out what is the best for me and what's not. Um, and apparently I'm really good at everything that I do. So yeah. it is hard yeah. to pick just one thing. Mm. That's a blessing. Mm-hmm. We, we got like unfold all that and unpackage it because a lot of a lot of women and men struggle with just finding balance in it. It seems like you have it all together as far as balance. Yeah, I try. Yeah, for so sure. Let's let's get into your story. Um, yeah. In regards to growing up. You are Haitian, right? Yes, yes. So what, what is that lifestyle as far as middle school growing up? Yeah, so I have a an interesting tale. I, I was actually a child um, adoptee. So I was born in a Haitian home, um, which is why I stress in mental health so much in the Haitian community and Caribbean mm-hmm. communities. Yeah. Um, so I was taken from my mother at a young age because... Um, she was experiencing a manic episode, which then turned into them finding out that she was schizophrenic. Um, she was not feeding us. Like we were very malnourished and stuff like that. So, uh, we were moved from the home and then I was put in a, a group home. So I was put in a group home. I got adopted obviously cause I was a baby. So like people wanted to adopt babies, but the only thing is, is in the nineties, they were doing this kind of like an experiment, qualitative research. Um, But they were doing an experiment where they kept siblings together instead of separating them from their homes when they were getting adopted. So they, whoever adopted me had to adopt my brother. My brother was like 13 years old. So, you know, you can only imagine like a 13 year old, nobody wants someone that already has like damage and like all of these things. So it made it really hard for me to get adopted together because a lot of people just wanted a baby and not a full blown preteen and teenager so finally um they found my father and then i moved in with my dad and haitians he got deported (laughs) so then so you got adopted from a a haitian family well my father is like actually my biological father yeah yeah. he was just missing like they didn't know where he was and it was because he was doing illegal activities but um so he he then they they found my father and i live with my father then my father got deported and so I didn't have a family to stay with. Um, so then after that, I then got adopted by somebody. I don't remember. I was very young. And then they found my grandparents and my grandparents adopted me. So then I grew up with my grandparents, which a lot of times when people talk to me, like they're like, you're Haitian American. I'm like, I get that I had the American privilege, but growing up with people in their 40s and their 50s and their 60s mm-hmm. is different from growing up with Haitian parents who are in their 30s or their 20s. Right. My, I grew up with my grandfather. He was born in the 1930s. You can only imagine that Sheesh. the only music yep. I listened to was <laughs> Topicana Daiti. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I moved progressively slow. So everybody was probably on laptops and computers. I was still going to the library using the encyclopedia for research so (laughs) i use a typewriter i use the floppy disk like you know um there's like this thing online where people like millennials this and this and that are kind of like gen zers and i was like well yeah you know i'm a late bloomer i'm a late millennial Mm -hmm. but i didn't get to live the life of a zillennial or as gen z or actually lived like i lived in the 80s so we're talking typewriters we're talking camcorders we're talking floppy disks no usbs no computer i didn't get aol until like the 2000s so (laughs) yeah (laughs) so growing up i was definitely like 
true, tried and true child of immigrant parents, straight immigration. Like I had to teach my mom how to speak English. I had to like do pretty much everything. And I think a lot of like children of immigrant parents go through this, but yeah, that was kind of like my upbringing, especially growing up with grandparents. So different. So different. Did your, did your older, you so you only have an older brother, right? I have actually older siblings, but they all lived in Haiti. So there was only mm-hmm. one of us who, which was, was my older brother. And he was the only one that was born in America. And then I was born in America. So it was just us two. He's a, he's a true ZB. So for anybody in South Florida, <laughs> he's a true ZB, true like gangsta, like Kodak. If Kodak wrote a book, my brother read the book. <laughs> Um, so he moved out when he was like 16 cause he didn't want to live a lawful life. So it was only me for some time. Like, I think when he was 16, I was probably like six. So it was kind of like the only child. Were you guys close during that time of being in that process? Um, yeah, I was my brother's little princess. <laughs> um, I worship the ground that man walked on. Whatever he did, yeah. I was like, whatever, you're mad. You know, he liked tattoos, golds, grills, dreads. Like he was the basket vacabon. He was such a vacaboa, but um loved everything about him. Um I was like his favorite person. I worshiped the ground he walked on. And when I got the chance to kind of like help him and help him escape his vacabon life because yeah. I was sheltered being a woman and a little girl. Um, it was definitely like uh, one of my proudest moments in life was being able to give my brother what he gave me when I grew up. Wow, that's amazing. So mm-hmm. full circle for you. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good amazing. point. He took that's care amazing. of me when I was a baby. Uh, made sure that I didn't know too much about what was happening. And of course, I found out when I got older. But yeah. yeah. So in, in that foster care system, how how did that look? I, I cannot tell you for the life of me. I was literally like five, five. five. I was, it was from birth. So I was born. I, they took me from my mom at two months and I didn't leave the foster system until I was like maybe five. Yeah. Cause I left at three. Then my God, my dad got deported and I went right back in. So, mm. so you got, you got adopted twice. Yeah. I was, yeah. Pretty like three times actually. Yeah. I went through the cycle three times. It's and a, your brother is really good to, to like protect you from all that. Yeah. When he finally told me the story, I was like, dang, you know, like no one would have ever told me like yeah. my, my grandparents would have never told me what happened. Cause they're like, Oh, mama, it's because she was, you know, she got pregnant when she was young and you know, God doesn't like that. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> that's oh, why oh, she oh, got oh. schizophrenia. You just don't think that maybe she had mental illness to begin with. And mm-hmm. then it just, you know, got higher because she had to take care of two kids by herself. You know, they're like, Madishon. she treated her grandfather, hor- she treated her dad horribly for having a baby too early. Oh, Haitian. That's what they gave you? That's what they thought mental health, that when, when we're talking about mental health, they thought that just it was rated to just. Yes. It's not even that big for them, like on that aspect. Or even like a lot of cultures, they don't really take mental care like serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, even America, I, it took, um, this is like some like stats for you. America didn't truly identify mental illness well until the eighties, which was like not too long ago. 
um, for the longest, if you had a mental health concern, if you were depressed, anxious, yeah. they threw you in a psychiatric ward and left you. Yeah. yeah. Dang. And they made it seem like you had a detrimental illness. Like depression is bad, but not enough for you to be institutionalized. Yeah. And they were doing that back then. Mm-hmm. If you were gay, if you had ADHD, if you had ADD, if you had autism, all of that was seen as either some kind of witchery, like yeah. something like that. Or it was like a severe mental illness and they put you in a home. So we're we're finally progressing, but it took some time to get here. So I can only imagine what other countries that aren't as developed mm-hmm. are going to go through before they finally get to that point. That's deep. That mm-hmm. is deep. So when your brother told you like what actually happened, did he tell you in the sense that it was a manic episode? Did he already kind well, of Well, no, he it? didn't know what he didn't. I don't think he really knew what that was because um, he also suffers with the same thing that my mom has. Um, but... When I found out when, because I was a, a kid of the state or whatever. So you're, once you're in the system, you're always in the system. So when I was trying to apply for colleges, um, it was a blessing because my mom made too much money. My grandmother made too much money. Um, so they were like, oh, you're technically independent. So I'm 17 years old filing for college and I'm independent. Um, so while I was there, I, Every year, for some reason, I had to submit my adoption papers. I was like, what is it going to take for you guys to realize that I'm adopted? So I had to submit those adoption papers. And one of those times I went in and I actually read my adoption papers. I've never read it before, ever. What led you to do that? I it was I was just sitting there for a long time. And I think I was just frustrated. Like, what is I was like, what's in here that you need to consistently see Mm. for the next two years of my college life Mm. for you to believe that I was an adopted student? Yeah. So um, maybe because they didn't want to give me free education. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people don't understand that, too. I know that because of my friend. She's adopted. Mm -hmm. Um, You could go ahead and explain it as far as when you're adopted, there's like certain perks that you get. Yeah. So being a, a, a ward of the state, um, it doesn't matter how old you are. You stay a ward of the state up until 21, which is when you age out the system. Um, you get free education, like though you get to go to college for free, obviously, because not much children who are adopted make it to college. Like most of them don't make it to that time. They're either dead or they're yeah. like leading different lives. So um, they give you free education. Um, you're automatically zeroed out with like grants and stuff like that. Like they don't go income based. They go like board of the state based. So you don't really have to pay for that. Um, so like I'm just sitting in that line. It was like two hours. I was the only person there. And I was like, you know what? This is the only piece of document that I have in front of me. So I'm going to read it. Yes. And when I read it, that's when I was like, oh, you know, I got the full picture. My grandparents did not tell me that they were not going to tell me that. So I like read everything and I was like, wow, yeah, this is an interesting life to live. Now I know. <laughs> Were you kind of frustrated at that point with your grandparents? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Because I was like, you know, I, I got a, in a lot of trouble for misidentifying people as my parents. And it's mm. like, you know, I, I grew up with like, quote unquote, three different parents. Mm-hmm. So like there's this guy who lived with my um my stepmom, my 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 biological father's wife. Yeah. And when before she put us up for adoption. We were living with them. So when one day he came to my mom's house, my grandmother, mm-hmm. and he came over and was like, you know, it's been a long time since I've seen you. So I thought that was my dad. I genuinely thought that that was my dad. I had no clue that my dad was deported. Like, I didn't find out my dad got deported until like 10, maybe I was probably 14 when my gra- my great grandmother told me. 
So I was like, what, you know, like what's going on? So I called him dad. He yeah. gave me $20. You know, I was like, <laughs> I grew up with my cousins. So I'm with my cousin. And I was like, okay, ice cream on me. <laughs> and so we got the ice cream truck. I'm out here blowing cash, buying my cousins everything that they want. I got $20, you know, chilling, I'm vibing. And then, um... My mom comes home and is like, where did everybody get this stuff from? And they said, Shirley got it for us. And and then they told me, like, who gave you the money to do that? And I was like, my dad. <laughs> I don't know why I got my ass beat for calling this man my dad. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. She's like, that's not your fault. I was like, maybe, maybe it was the fear that some stranger gave me money and they don't know who the stranger is. So they were afraid that something else could have happened. Right. And that they weren't there to protect me. And that's what I noticed. Like, like Haitian parents, like they beat you out of fear and anger from their decision making. Yes. So decision making one, I let you have access to the gate that you open to let this man come inside the house to give you $20. Right. And because of that, because something bad could have happened to you, I'm angry at you. So I'm going to take it out on you. Yeah. So she took they took their anger out on me. The simple thing that they could have done was just sit me down and, talk to you. and say, why do you think this man is your father? Yeah. What made you feel like this person was your father? What connection do you have to this person? What does he look like so that they can make sure it wasn't a stranger? And then say to me, this isn't your father. I know you grew up with him. You recognize him. We don't know who he is. So the next time that he comes here, call me and let me know so that I can verify. Right. That's kind of like what therapy taught me right. to, 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 to like put on to like parents that I teach. That's big talk right there. Yeah. That's big talk. And the fact that you went through that and experienced that, did that translate into like middle school and high school? Like as far as not really understanding your family background? Um, middle school was easy. I don't, I don't, I don't think I really cared much because yeah. I was like super young. High school got hard. I was just, I didn't, I, the identity changes that you go through when you're in high school, like you go through like all of these shifts and minds and you automatically as a, uh, I don't know if it's like a child of immigrant parents or a immigrant in itself, you automatically become an adult when you get to high school. Like Facts. they just like, you go from middle school where they're like kid and then high school. So, you know, like I got it. I think even in middle school, yeah. like, I was reading like doctor, like yeah. papers. I'm like, I'm doctor stressed. papers. Yeah. Like my mom would give me like papers to read. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. I read, a, I read at a college level in, in middle school and it was yeah. like, I don't, I, I'll never forget it. It was, it was called, it was the lottery why am I reading the lottery in middle school? This woman literally <laughs> killed her husband and buried him underneath the house. And you want me to read this? Oh, yes. Oh my gosh. So it was like, why am I reading that? But apparently because they wanted me to be P advanced. Que black American. Um, they wanted me, they wanted me to be my grandparents. They wanted me to be the smartest, the, the, the brightest color in the, the crayon box. So they're like, you need to read at a college level. And I'm like, I'm in middle school. Right. <laughs> what? Did, that, did that kind of push you to do more in middle school because you said you did fairly well in middle school was it did it push me? I just think I was born smart I don't I don't I don't think anything that my parents could have done would have changed my intellect mm. if that makes sense because things became so easy for me like I was an IB student straight A's like it, I feel like I was that was just something that I had and school reinforced it obviously yeah. learning at a college level 
maybe made me a little bit more advanced, but I definitely think that that was something that I was, I, that was a skill that I had, like learning was something that I loved doing. So it made sense why I was so intellectual, I guess, when I was younger, well, still am, but when yes. I was younger, yeah. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I fell into the system of Esau. I mean, Man, we all did. We all did. Oh, you was in Esau too? I don't know yeah, why. I was in Esau Elementary. You know what I learned after going to the, because I, I tutor, no, not tutor, I mentor younger kids in yes. Haitian. And what I learned was that parents are given this like piece of paper. So if they're an immigrant, they don't know better. But they're mm. giving this sheet of paper to give their, their kids or given a sheet of paper that they bring home and their parents are supposed to tell the school how do they want to receive information about their kids. And Haitians choose Haitian Creole, which sends the message to the school that the child only, only understands Haitian Creole mm. and that English is their second language. Oh. So then they autumn because of this form, they then put them in Esau. Because I was like, literally, I was top two of my class and they put me in Esau. And I was like, does that make sense to you? Like, yeah. your school grade is high because of me, but <laughs> you put me in Esau? That's, you got beef with that. <laughs> no, because like when I went to, I grew up um, in a um, Haitian private school. Mm. So I came from there. And um, when I went to elementary school, I was in the fourth grade. So I guess my mom signed that paper too. Mm-hmm. And then they put me in Esau. And then my mom had to like literally talk to my pastor. My pastor went to the school and was like, why are you putting her in Esau? This, this girl knows how to speak English. Like she gets straight A's, like yeah. all that stuff. So I was in Esau for like two days and I got out. I was like, oh yeah. They put me in Esau for six months. And my Esau teacher mm-hmm. was upset because the other kids were upset that I kept getting everything right. <laughs> and then she like went to the principal and was like, this student is not an Esau student. She clearly speaks English. She literally has a four on her FCAT and That's she's a, a third right grader. Now. Like, <laughs> you know, right. so they're like, what is she doing in Esau? And I was so upset because life was so easy in Esau. I didn't have to do nothing. Right. I, oh yeah, my goodness. I, I was like, I'm here and I'm graduating. I'm going to my next level. And Passing FCAT, doing great on FCAT, not even needing to 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 study, and oh, yeah, I was like, I was like, yeah, I like you here. And then they took me out, and I was like, no, I got to do real work. I got to do. <laughs> I got to work hard. She got comfortable. <laughs> so going into um, high school, what were some of the challenges that you had to face? Because you, you said you got the intellect aspect. Nothing was difficult, but just bullying. Honestly, like, I, yeah, I was bullied for nothing. To be fair, I think it was the whole pretty, the pretty girl syndrome that. I don't know. They were, they were, high school was annoying only because of bullying. And then I became popular. I don't know oh, how wait, that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boston, you got to drop that, that the name of the school first off. What okay. School did you go so to? I went to, so it's very different now, but in the past, um, I went to South Tech and South Tech, yeah, it's that? a charter school that specifically mm. focuses on trade skills okay. um, and education. So I learned trade and then education. That was my choice? Like grandparents? Nah, man. So my good. grandparents chose that. I'm an IB <laughs> student. You think they would put me in an IB school? School? Yeah. No, they're like l'école sagenessing fell. Okay, okay. You want you want me to be a nurse instead of going to the IB program in high school? Got it. No. Say less. Um, but yeah, they put me in that school so I can get into the LPN program so mm. I can become an RN by the time I'm 19. That was yeah. their goal, that pretty much. Goal. Yeah. That been sick. That been so, good. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, but no. <laughs> 
So g- growing up in that that space, as far as in that high school, mm-hmm. you said you were dealing with a lot of bullying. Yeah, the first two years, there's a lot of bullying. Um, I think it was very unnecessary. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the school was an adult school that was transitioning to um, high school age, like school wow. age. Yeah. So they still had like adult students, like people who are 18 and 19 what? in the school. Yeah. While transitioning to like younger kids. Uh-uh. So like I'm in school and you have these seniors. When I tell you the seniors hated my guts, I don't know what I did to them. Don't know why I did it, but I'll never forget the date stopped. And so they were coming, they were calling me all kinds of names. All they did was talk about like, all they did was slut shame. And it's like, how can you slut chain someone who's never done anything in the school? Exactly. Right. Like I've never done anything. <laughs> so like gossip, heavy gossip. Yeah, heavy rumors. gossip. But it's like I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't talking to anybody. I wasn't flirting with anybody. I literally just came to the school. So it's like it was basically lies yeah. to I don't know what it was for, but it was lies. So they the there was this one day this girl came up to me and she was ready to like bully me. And then she was like, How old are you? And attitude. And I was like, I'm 14 years old. And she's like, so I think that the gossip that they were spreading were with men who were 19 and 20. So you're saying that I'm like doing things with these guys, but it's technically rape. So they're lying about these guys having sex with me, but technically they're saying that they sexually assaulted me. So that is when it completely stopped. That turned legal now. Everyone (laughs) just was like, yeah, we got to We stop. are here telling people that she's having sex with these 19 mm. year olds. But if she is, that's yeah, either not good. Way, either way it goes. It's not yeah, you're, you're basic. You're about to send these boys to jail because you feel like lying. Yeah. Damn. She's, look at her. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's She's what they like, were yeah. doing. Were they, at that point, were they being fake with you as far as friends? I don't know who they were. I I literally just, I, freshman year. Yeah. Just moved to Buen. I lived in a different city. I um, moved in with my aunt because I didn't want to stay with my mom because whatever she was going through. And I just walked into the school. And it was just pure hatred the moment I walked in the door. But apparently it was like a freshman thing. Like the seniors just didn't like the freshmen. How did you handle it? Did, were you get, were you depressed? Were you uh, venting to Was I depressed? Was I depressed? Was I depressed? Was I depressed? I'm such a happy person. It's weird to think about high school. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I was depressed. I may have... Um, suppress the memory of what it felt like. Ooh. But um, I definitely think I couldn't stand it. But I also know that I had like a huge support system in high school. So like while they were talking about me, the people that they were talking about to like saying that we were doing things were actually there to protect me. So I had a lot of guy friends. I made a lot of guy friends. I'm a guy friend kind of girl. Yeah. yeah and <laughs> they were all seniors. Whether they wanted to do something with me or not, one thing they didn't play about was people playing with me. So like whenever I felt some type of way, I would just go to them and they, you know, I called them my my bodyguard. One person was my bodyguard. The other one's like my big brother. And he did not play. These two men did not play about me. And I just remember saying like, bro, what, why is people not like me this much? Whatever, whatever. And they would defend my honor and they would, you know, be like, you know, she's not doing anything. Right. She's really chill. She just got here. This is like a new place for her. And then whenever they did that, they they had this rumor like, oh, she's gay. And I was like, well, I don't know what's what? wrong with being gay, but okay. <laughs> um, she's 
she's gay. Duh. I was like, so first I was a hoe, now I'm gay. Which yeah. one is which it? One is which one? Pick pick a pick a story, Obama. Wait. Um. <laughs> so like, okay, you said Boynton, right? So when I when I picture Boynton or down south, mm-hmm. um, this may sound like really bad, but I picture just like straight. Haitian people down there. Not all Haitian yeah. people, but like yeah, yeah, mostly yeah. Haitian people. There's a huge, there's a huge before. Haitian yeah. neighborhood. Very Haitian. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay. And then you said like nursing. Mm-hmm. So was it Haitian girls? It was Black American. It wasn't black Haitian. Wow. Haitians okay. never said anything to me. No. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They knew you were Haitian though, right? Coming I don't think in? so. I don't think so. I don't think people knew I was Haitian. Maybe the second year they knew I was Haitian, but they didn't know I was Haitian. The first year. So how did you end up being popular? Um, turn around and change. Mm, yeah, I want to yeah. hear about this. Yeah. Uh, Same school, right? So yeah, all four years. So I think all four years I couldn't go nowhere. <laughs> My mama wanted me to be a nurse. Yeah. Um, but no, I think what happened. I was no longer a freshman, and I became a sophomore. And I started to, the the guys I was hanging out with, they yeah. were popular guys in the school. Oh. So, the you know, your first year, nobody knows you. They talk about you. They try to come up with this story. And then the second year, people know you. So then they knew me as the girl who hung out with all the, po- the popular boys. So there was always this question, like, I guess because everybody else was having sex with them. It's like, yeah. like these guys aren't okay. saying that they're having sex with you. So like, how are you in a circle with men, but not doing anything with them? So that's probably where the gay story came out. Yeah. But I was like, I was like, whatever you guys come up. I just remember saying, whatever you guys come up with, you come up with. I was doing my own thing. I hung out with people in different places. I didn't really care. Yeah. And then it just, shifted it was just like you're dope you're cool we want to hang out with you I ended up having like a group of like six friends I started off with like one friend and it went to like six people I was like whatever (laughs) I'll take it (laughs) were you still in that um, mind frame as far as like technology as far as Facebook or what was it back then? MySpace. MySpace, yeah. Yeah. Were were you involved in that now that you had those set of friends? Were they introducing you to that or you were still kind of... So I started that in middle school. I wasn't in... It's so weird that life again goes full circle because I'm actually a creative by heart. So I started my life doing ballet in elementary school. Yeah, I'm telling you. I did everything. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack of all trades. I was a ballet dancer for like three years. And then um, something happened to my foot. I got injured. Um, Like the bottom of my foot just like peeled off completely. So I couldn't dance anymore. So then I moved from dance. I needed a creative outlet. So I moved from dance and I went into playing instruments. So, you know, like when you're in an elementary school, they make you do the handbells. So I started off with the handbells. Apparently I was really good at that. So then the band teacher moved me to choosing an instrument. So my first choice was a trumpet, but then I stopped playing it. And then I went to steel drums. So then I ended up playing steel drums for four years. I played in parades. Stop playing. I, yeah, that's it. I played in parades. Just go right here. Um, I got invited <laughs> to Disney to play. And then I aged out. So once you get to sixth grade, you can't go on to middle school. You can't go into elementary schools like property and right. like still be a band member. So I aged out, needed a creative outlet. So I joined band in middle school. 
And mm. I picked up the trumpet again and I ended up becoming the best. Like I was number two in our trumpet. And I remember competing with that girl. Her name is Rachel. If you're listening, ever listening hey, to this, Rachel. I wanted to beat you so bad. <laughs> so I played the trumpet well enough for me to go back to Disney and play on in the Disney parade with my school. Hey. Um, and then That's my Haitian huge. mama was like, um, too much money spend too much money on band you know and that's one of the things like Haitians like if it's not something that, that makes sense for them mm-hmm. they're right. not going to commit their money to it Thanks. so then my creative life as an instrumentalist as a musician ended because my mother couldn't afford it and then um, I had to find a creative outlet so Again. I found a cheap one photography so I signed up for my yearbook took all the senior pictures, took all of the whatever pictures. And then my creative life just ended. I just stopped completely. Um, and I was all about church. Church was my life. Whatever happened, I joined a choir at church. This is in high school, right? This is when I got into high school. So this is like mm. eighth grade to like high school. I joined a choir. I was in a dance team. Dance has always been a part of my life, yeah. obviously, because I did ballet. Um, then I became a compa dancer in oh. middle school. In high school, yeah. I meant. She's good, y'all. So I became a compa oh. dancer, mm-hmm. yeah. She's but I was too young <laughs> for the moves because they were like, it looked very like, you know, you're, you're yeah, too young for this. Yeah, so they series. made me do folklore instead of compa. And then um, I think I moved. And because of my because of the move, I just stopped doing everything creative. I kind of got tired of just like starting stuff and having to stop it. Mm. So I stopped, I let go of my creative life and I just stuck to the things that make the most sense, which was being smart. So volunteer hours, um, hanging out with friends, reading, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. So when did it transition back to where you picked up creative? When I came to Orlando. um, So I moved to where I was stagnant. Like when I told you, I started my first two years, I didn't do anything. I worked, slept, work, school. Like that was my life. Same rinse and repeat. So then when I came here, I was like, I'm not going to do the same thing. I was like, I did that. It was great. It got me through college. We're going to try different things. And when I came here, first thing I did was buy a camera. And I feel like my life is telling me that I need to be a photographer because I keep picking up the camera. Um, So I picked, I bought a camera, did it for a little bit and school got really hard. So I was like, well, (laughs) we're going to put this to the side. Um, and I didn't really start my creative career until like 2015. Yeah, 2015. So I wanted to write and I just started writing um, for other people. Like I wrote their essays and just made some chunk of change. Hey, where were you yeah. when I was still <laughs> I, I ain't seen it on the page. Yeah, no, one thing about me, I'm going to find a way to make money. So I needed to make extra crafts and I started writing people's papers. Then... I went into writing for publication. So I started writing for magazines, online publications. I then became a ghostwriter, got hired to do stuff for like Exxon Nicole, Essence Magazine, like Whoa. all of these stuff. Um, but I could never say what they are because I'm a ghostwriter. I wrote it for somebody else to publish. Um, and then once I did that, I kind of felt, and I'll never forget this. I tell the story every time. Yeah. I wrote a piece on the importance of seeing Black women in media and film. And it was related to Issa Rae and Nola Darling. Mm. Those um, Issa D, sorry, not Issa Rae. Issa Rae's a, the actual person, but the characters. Yeah. Issa D, um, Molly, and Molly. Nola Darling. And it was like my favorite piece. I fell in love with it. It was like really, really down to my heart. And I was writing for Odyssey Online at the time. Mm-hmm. And the post got like 20 views. And I was so devastated. I was like, wow, 
I poured my heart into this article. So I was like, well, I need to get paid. <laughs> so I was like, hmm, what do white people like? <laughs> and then I wrote this piece that was like free to free to budget things to do in Orlando during the holiday season. That article got me paid till today. Well, the cutoff point is actually like this year, but I was still getting paid for that article. That's how trending that article was. And then I was like, I'm leaving because I'm black. I want to write about black ass shit (laughs) and it ain't getting nothing on this, this publication that I keep writing for. So I left it and launched my blog. Um, I launched my own blog and I wrote about sex relationships stuff like that. And I loved writing about it so much that I made it my career. So I went to, I started taking a couple classes on relationships. At UCF. Yeah, UCF. And then, (laughs) and then I was like, you know what? I'm ready to pursue my master's. And um, I ended up finding funding at UCF. Mm -hmm. I was actually going to go to San Diego. I was on my flight to San Diego and UCF sent me that letter, that package. And I was like, this is a lot of money. Yeah. I'm going to stay in Orlando. So I decided to stay and then I became a couples and family therapist, which again, full circle life, being an adoptee, not really having a stable family and then deciding to be that person that molds and helps people go through that journey too. So while you were doing your your blog, were you also pursuing your master's at the same time? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So how did that work? And big shout out to Haitians who blog. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so Haitians who blog was actually created for me to write for a magazine. So I contributed culture and tourism pieces for this magazine, and it was all about things to do in Haiti, and that's where TikTok comes like mm-hmm. full circle too. Yeah. So I was writing about things to do in Haiti, and. I was like, I don't live in Haiti. How am I supposed to tell you where to go, <laughs> what beaches, what nightlife, what club? I was like, I don't live there. And Google's not helpful. They don't even they know where these things all. are. Exactly. Right. They don't even have maps right no in road. Haiti. <laughs> There's no roads. So I was like, how am I going to write about stuff that doesn't even, I'm not, I don't even live there. So I was like, okay, let me look for other creatives, right? So this is me putting my people on. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look for people. I'm going to include their contribution in the article, give them a shout out. Now they got a press feature. So I'm like, okay, we're going to work. I'm going to write for myself, but also put a lot of Haitian creatives on. So I, I searched near and wide and I could not find anyone. And I was like, oh my God, how am I supposed to do this? So I went to Instagram and I was like, I'm going to just create this page. And I'm a, every time I see a creative, I'm going to post them. And whenever I need insight, I'll go to them. Yeah. So it was really an archive for me to find people whenever I needed to write an article. Um, and then it ended up turning into what it is today. A beast. Yes. Yeah. So Great when people company. say that like uh, inventions all came from mistakes, yeah. that was or random things and they were never what they were. Right. And then just transition. That's what Haitians who blog literally a place for me to just post people. I come back. I'm like, okay, I need to find a lifestyle blogger. I need to find a fashion blogger. I need to find a podcaster. I only did like three types of creatives and now we do all creatives. Mm. Um, but yeah, when we first started, it was just really just a place for me to just find people and to come to find out that there's over 2000, like, content creators in general, but over 35,000 creatives. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, this is wow. Did you see it coming after a, a bit of posting in blogs? No, man. I kid you not. It took a year. We were like climbing the ladder for a year and we got stuck at like a thousand for a year. So I was like, okay, we're stuck at a wow. thousand. And I, I remember like what happened March of 
2019 came and we just went from a thousand to three, three to 10, 10 to 20. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> what is happening here? Yeah, was wow. <laughs> and we're still like, we're doing that like teeter tottering. It doesn't even matter because we reached like 2 million people. So right. whether you follow or not, the numbers of how many people actually come to your page is more important. And I was just like, wow. You know, I created the hashtag Haitian Sue blog zero. That was never thought of. It was my, I literally created the hashtag. There's 80,000 people using the hashtag. That, that's like, I'm, how do you bring something from zero to like 80,000 yeah. people? 80,000 people. I, every day I look at it, I'm like, wow, who would have <laughs> thought that this would have ever happened? Haitian bloggers had like a thousand views when I started now. Wow. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Congrats on that. And yeah. I, I love the fact that you were willing to continue, like, even after the fact that you graduated at a thousand, like a thousand, that, that could be something like, man, I don't want to even do it no more. Cause a whole yeah. year, just sitting on a, a whole year. That's just, what happened to me. So, <laughs> yeah. So what kept you dedicated on it? Like what? Um, Haitian to blog wasn't work. It was pure, mm. um, passion. Yeah. <laughs> It wasn't work. I didn't, I didn't make it work. It was really just like I woke up, went on the page, found someone, posted them, left. And I did it every single day, three times a day. And yeah, and it just blew up from there. And, you know, I'm grateful to be at the point where I don't have to manage a page no more. Yeah. Uh, we have an assistant. We have this. So I'm like, we, we're at the point where we're making money. Like Haitians Blog make no money. It was at some point I was like, we should make this a nonprofit because, you know, we don't do anything. We never I never did anything for income. Asian yeah. blog was purely like, I want to put y'all on. My career took off as a creative. I started to get partnerships. I started to get paid more like, it, you know, at one point being a content creator paid me more than my job did. So I was like, you know, this is great. And now I'm at the point where I'm ready to educate. So, you know, I've been taking on mentees. I have like four mentees now. It has been so much work. Yeah. Um, but I've been taking on mentees to like teach people about stuff. I'm going to start doing courses. I'm going to yeah. start, um, doing like workshops, like my next workshop, I was hoping to be this month, but I really wanted to relax. <laughs> um, but I was hoping this month, like to teach people, like, how do you make passive income while building your brand? Like a lot of people think that you have to have a built brand to mm. make income in reality. You don't, it's very simple. Yes. You have to make a couple of sacrifices. You have to sacrifice the mindset that you're going to get paid $3,000 of the jump and just settle for a hundred settle for 50. Yeah. Um, but it's still passive income. $50 wasn't in your bank account before you did this. So yeah, doing she, it she now won't change. She, yeah. She talking she, yeah. Talking so, you know, it's okay to build passive income. Passive income becomes bigger dollars. That's so true. That's I was true. like, you know, it's time for me to pour into the community because eventually I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to become the older people who go into real estate. No offense. Um, <laughs> we're like, we're going to be realtors because they want to do work. That's not that challenging. Like, yeah. it, like create, being a content creator is a lot more work. Um, and so I yes. eventually I have to get to the point where I want more automated things. And when that happens, I want there to be at least people that I've, I've kind of like made an impact on in that time frame. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. How, how did your grandparents look at doing content? Like, you know how it is, like they wanted you to be a nurse. So how did it look from you being content creator? And so uh, they had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> to be honest, I didn't tell them what I was doing. I came out here and was just vibes. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think they thought I came out here to be married and whatever. And I really just came out here to vibe. Um, yeah. They didn't know what I was doing. 
Um, when did it happen? I remember like, cause my, my mom passed away. My grandmother passed away. My grandfather became dementia. Well, he has Alzheimer's and he, he finally, the God, God, I was like, take this man out of his misery. He passed away this year. Um, my but condolences, my condolences. trust in mine. I'm yeah. happy for him. Cause that was a lot. Yeah. Um, but no, I remember the day that I like had a Haitians who blog event. We were heavy doing events in 2018. And I remember going back home and it was, it was in my hometown. So I'm doing it in my hometown and it was actually the biggest show out, which was like mad inspirational because I thought my hometown did not care about me. (laughs) (laughs) So I go back home. I have this like huge venue and I remember just saying, um, I want to invite you guys to the event. And then like my family is very weird. They like, they'll support if it's something that makes sense. If it doesn't make sense, they're not supporting. So they're like, okay, we're come, whatever. And I do my event. I'm used to just doing events, not having family members. My friends are usually the one that shows up. So I'm like there or whatever. And um, I think it was when they saw me publish on a newspaper that they were like, what are you doing? (laughs) Why are you getting published? Why did you just get awarded by Miami as a top 40 professional? Like what's, what's going on? So they're like watching behind the scenes, just like seeing me like, flourish and they have no idea what I'm doing. You know what's crazy about what you just said that gave me goosebumps? Mm-hmm. The way that they connected with you is how they usually receive information. Mm-hmm. A newspaper. That's when they, mm-hmm. they, they understood it. That's crazy. That's crazy. Because you're doing things that are like on the internet. Mm-hmm. But when it translated to something that they understood, then they understood. Like, yeah. okay, I yeah, see. Yeah, you know, and I think that's interesting because it also happened in college. So in college, I was doing qualitative research. So I I did relationship research. I researched relationships, infidelity, jealousy, all of these things. And I ended up going to a conference presenting and winning. So I won the conference and it was a big deal to to UCF. Like UCF was like, you know, they've never had someone who did qualitative research on everyday life. So it's like I ended up getting a whole bunch of people asking me to like interview and like all of this stuff. And then my face was scattered on every single Instagram, Facebook. And like, when I tell you the kids in school were like, what did you do? How is your face everywhere? Like even in, I was in the HSO, they never really paid attention to me until that article dropped. So it it happens even outside of your family home. Like it's just Haitians in general. Yes. Like when the group saw someone, I don't know who did it, but, oh, it was one of my competition. It was a competition. Someone else was competing against with me and he didn't win and he won the year before. So he lost. <laughs> so it was like, it was like, oh, wow. Like I do quantitative research and it's supposed to be engineering. And right. here's a social science person beating me out. Um, yep. So he went into the, 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 the group me and was like, you know, Hey, one of our own, just one second place. She's about to move into nationals and regional. And that's when like, I blew up in the group. Like everybody wanted to be like, in my circle type right, vibe. And it was right, like, hmm, y'all waited until I was like published all over the place. Right. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Fake love. Huh? I don't know. I, one thing about I know about Haitians, whenever you appear accomplished, that's when mm-hmm. people yeah, they start warming up. Mm-hmm. That's what they support for. So let's talk about your, your marketing agency. Mm-hmm. So how did that come about? So that came from Haitians who blog. Mm. I would see so much Haitian businesses online, like, and they were horrible. Mm. (laughs) 
Logos blurry, <laughs> too much colors, horrible websites, no strategy, nothing. I was like, man, what is y'all doing? Yeah. So I learned about marketing, got a couple certifications. Oh, um, right. And then I was like, I'm going to just, I'll never, I, the reason why I started the business was because I was in grad school and I had to quit my job so that I can intern full time. So I'm working for free. Full time, no income coming in. Thankfully, I had a grant, but no other income coming in. So right. just my grant, um, I saved some of my previous year's grant. So I was able to afford my lifestyle still. But I was like, I'm bougie now. So I need <laughs> money. <laughs> so I was like, well, I can't get a physical job. I can't get a 40 hour job because I'm working 40 hours already. I'm also mm. still in school. So still, you get, yeah. I'm literally 12 hours Monday through Saturday. Work and school. And the work was for school. So Mm. I needed something that was easy, simple, but that I could also work and make a lot of money. So I was like, I remember I didn't even start. I didn't even start the business yet. I made a Facebook post. I made an Instagram post introducing the new marketing consultant for Dorsonville Media Group. That's what the name I came up with. I didn't get an LLC. I was no LLC. You know, the LLC and vibes, no LLC, (laughs) no LLC. Just dropped the name in an Instagram post. And so many people, I said my tribe, Woo, congratulations. This is amazing. I'm so excited for you. Let me tell this person. Let me tell this person. Let me Mm. tell this person. I was like, oh, I got to do this for real. All right. right. (laughs) How how much does it cost to get an LLC and not buy? What we got to do? And get legit. And I was like, oh, I got to really do this. And man, the people that signed up, I wish back then I did not charge so little, but mm. I had so many people registering for my consultations. And then other people were like, hey, we want to join your agency. And it converted from me consulting to me hiring a web designer, a graphic designer, and they're just offering this all in one service package um, with a whole bunch of like Haitian corporate professionals who yes. took their corporate corporate knowledge and applied it to small and mid-sized businesses to help them like ex- like expand digitally you and i was like yeah man. that's lit is, man. you're doing it all like yeah. you're, you're literally taking everything that you've learned for yourself and like you're pouring it out to others like what caused you to be like that man i i i always ask myself like where did this like connectedness come from because yeah. i came from broken like families right so like I start three different families never got to stick in one finally I get one that I'm in but we're not really whole like that family has so much stuff going on (laughs) Um, so like because of that it's like where where did I get this sense of like always pouring into someone and I always said it I I I I wanted a me in my life so I decided to be that person for someone else that is so good that Mm -hmm. is so good you would think like people that grow up like that you would think they'd be selfish mm-hmm. yeah. like all to themselves but you're definitely not like I don't yeah. get that vibe I do not especially the business that you do it speaks for itself so that's yeah. amazing I love that you said that mm-hmm. so when you when you realized that as a person did you kind of make sure like your family was on the same page like no nah, I'm not really people? close with my family <laughs> uh, we're not cool they just I don't really know what it is about our family they're just yeah. very like there's people's families who try to connect 
mm-hmm. our family just would prefer to bicker with each other and be separate. And that's why I was so happy to come out to Orlando and kind of like establish my own family. Yes. Like my friends who pour onto me. Like I just saw my friend yesterday. I was at her place. She has purchased from every business venture I've ever had. So like yesterday she pulled up in my shirt and I was like, you still have my shirt. She was like, I love this shirt. What are you talking about? So I'm like, so imagine like my family has never purchased anything for me. Like my actual like physical family. But I'm talking about that all the time. But the family (laughs) I built, they're like rock solid, like. That's beautiful. Yeah. That is beautiful. So let's let's get into the TikTok conversation <laughs> and the Instagram. Like Hello, you, Orlando. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Handle it. It's your girl. Hey, what's up, you guys? <laughs> the boys. This is the voice for me. Yeah. Um, so the TikTok is obviously like a stemming from that that one article, the free, the 50 Orlando. budget things to do in Orlando. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I just took content that I used to write and just converted it to video. And the first video. So I was talking to my mentee today and she was like, I just want a niche. And I was like, what, what makes you want a niche? <laughs> and she's like, you know, cause t- they tell you that you need to niche. Yeah, I was like, who do. told you that? Who's they? And she's like, well, the TikTok people. And I said, do they have a niche? And she's like, yeah. Did they always have a niche? <laughs> mm. And she's like, well, and I was like, okay, go back a couple years, maybe six months mm-hmm. and, and see if they actually had a niche before they got a niche. So I started off making videos of me cooking. I never shared with people that I knew how to cook you because to I got tired of, I got to, I started cooking when I was like 10. Like yeah. what? Yes. Mm-hmm. I had to cook for myself. I had to cook for, I had to cook for a 60 year old man. You know, I had to cook. Oh, but yeah. So like they, I started off just cooking and I I just really like showing people how to make Asian food. So I started cooking. I, you know, I made spaghetti at world dog. That's my first viral video. And then I taught them how to make fish. And so it wasn't for me that that wasn't my niche. That was just something I felt like doing. Yes. So then I made a video of me going to the speakeasy and I'm like a history buff. I like apply history for no freaking reason into every conversation, but I love speakeasies only because of the history, not necessarily for black people. Cause I know like in that time we were slaves, yep. but the prohibitionary period was so interesting because people really banned alcohol and people were like, Oh, you're going to ban alcohol. All right. I'm going to go to this law office and we're going to turn into a bar in the middle of the night. Like, you know how gangster that is like, yeah. just like yeah. forget the British we're gonna build that <laughs> like dang <laughs> so there were so many of these throughout American history and they all had their own unique thing and so it's they're bringing it back well in the past like five years they bought it back and created like the same vibe prohibi- prohibitionary style bars, bars yes. that require passwords like you have to dress up. Like I love it. So I went to a speakeasy all the way in Tampa. I'm super adventurous. So I went to Tampa for the speakeasy <laughs> and it was super awesome. I recorded it and I posted it and that thing went to 1.4 million viewers and my followers just like skyrocketed. Whoa. And I was like, oh yeah, I like this. <laughs> yeah. So someone was, someone said, you should do more videos about things to do in Orlando. I was like, all right. I mean, I go out a lot. So I would just do exactly what I did every weekend mm-hmm. with the phone in my hand and I press record and then I would put it together and I would post it. And yeah, that ended up making me what people call the Orlando plug that I had to change that name. Cause I want nobody to think that I was a plug plug. What's the name now? Um, Orlando Wanderlust. 
Um, mm. So I like changed it to the Orlando Wanderlust. And yeah, and, like it ended up just like taking off. Partnerships started to come in. Okay. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I really, really like this. Um, even though TikTok try to mess up your growth. Always. Always. <laughs> what you mean by uh, that? So sometimes they'll like, they won't push your videos. Like, so I post, for example, I posted a video eight months ago and a video kind of like after a week, your content starts to die down. Like people lose interest in like the things that you post. So after a week, the video stopped at 300,000. As of today, it's at 435,000. And I posted it eight months ago. So they're pushing my older videos, but they're not pushing my new videos. What do you think that reason behind that? I have no clue. I can't, I can't tell you why they're showing something yeah, that algorithm. Oh, yeah. that I, we, I posted that in December. What's, what's the video? It's a video of, um, I went to the Chinese yeah, festival thing that they had at the zoo. It's gone. It's not coming back until another year for, until Christmas again. Yeah. So it's like, why are they pushing a video that like the yeah. place? That's weird. Yeah. And, and like, it, I'll go right now. This morning it was at 430. So I'm pretty sure it's like at four something. Jeez. Um, Okay, I didn't want it to make noise. Okay, now, yeah, it was at 430. Now it's at 431. So it's like, (laughs) and this was like right before I got here. So like, it's like, why? But then I posted a video like an hour ago and it has 52 views. So, you know, it's kind of like one of those things where like TikTok does what it wants. But if there's one thing I know, the platform doesn't belong to me. So I'm just going to keep posting until I get another one. That's just like that. She talking to y'all. Yeah, just... Don't give up. Nah. Don't give up. Nah. You got the following and you still kind of see the difference. Yeah. I, I, I have 20,000 followers. You would at least think my, my mind says to me, if I have 20,000 followers, 4% needs to see my content. But that's not what TikTok does. That's not mm. what TikTok says. TikTok doesn't push it to your 20,000 followers. It's like the people follow me to see the content. Why are yeah. you not letting them see my content? That's deep. You think, is it um, because of the hashtags? Because like what I would do sometimes is like, when I post a video, I will try and put the trending hashtags. That doesn't But work. it still get like three views. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, dang. nothing. Honestly, whatever TikTok wants to do is going to do. Um, yeah, when you think thing. you figure it out, the people who made it. It's psych. Takes it right back. Same thing with Instagram. <laughs> and I, I just had to keep that mindset that like, I did not make this app. Yeah. I'm not a developer of this app. But Instagram I can't tell it what to do. Instagram got worse though, I feel like. I don't know what they want. They, they're competing <laughs> so hard. <laughs> Yeah, they are. And I, I feel like with this new generation, as far as content creators, y'all still in the game. Like, y'all really, yeah, are, yeah. y'all really like, not not only are y'all putting your face out there, but y'all really connecting everybody. Like, TikTok, even with the issues as far as uploading and stuff, it's my favorite app. I love TikTok. So yeah. real over it's there. Yeah. So good. It's so real. And funny. It's so real. Oh, TikTok. TikTok has, has my heart because it's just, it's everything is so pure and yes. real. And even if you mean harm, it's still purely your ideas. It's your right. thoughts. Yeah, Instagram is very, it's very up uptight. Yeah. Everybody's nose is up in the air. Artificial. Like yeah, it's, really it's very real. like, oh, I'm a copy, 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 copy because I see that this is what works. And TikTok's like, if you do your own thing, it's going to work. Like, yeah. like uh, I don't know if you go Majamba, uh, Elsa. So Elsa is a girl who takes a chip and she'd be like, She's so fucking funny. <laughs> she's so witty, but she does this thing where she's like, she's like, you want me to go out on a Friday? Oh, I love a chip. her. 
Her laugh. And she's like, and you canceled? I wasn't going anyways. And I'm like, same. I don't want to go. Like, if you cancel, I'm happy. I love her. So she, Winnie, just herself. Yes. She had dookie braids laying on her couch. She put on some shades. And then what happened? A year goes by. She gets a partnership with Ray-Bans. Or that dude. Come on. Or that dude. Or that dude that doesn't say anything. Yeah, he just be oh, like, he's the highest yeah. paid TikToker. Yeah, he makes yeah. millions of dollars. Yeah. He doesn't say no, not even a word. <laughs> so you can crazy. imagine, like on Instagram, that wouldn't really work. Like, yeah, the girls need to see something on Instagram yeah. and on TikTok. It's like if you make sense, it's we like word. you over yeah. here. Word. <laughs> so that, that brings into another conversation as far as your podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I feel like I've, I've listened to a few episodes of your podcast and. Is is very um, reminiscent of our podcast. Very out in the open. Like, <laughs> yeah, like y'all don't cut any corners. Uncut, so uncut. What, yeah. What so see, uncut. Literally, we <laughs> wanted to call it something else, but it it was not sounding right. <laughs> it's um, not giving. <laughs> but um, yeah. So we were, we are three corporate professionals. That, as you can see, we have like all of these hats. Like my co-host, one of my co-hosts, she. She's an accountant, but she also mm. works for a nonprofit with her parents. Yeah. Um, and then she also runs a business, right? Mm-hmm. She runs a cup, cup, she'll make t-shirts, cups, all of this stuff. Oh, nice. Um, so she does uh, print marketing material. Okay. And then you have my other co-host who owns his own music group. He manages mm. artists. Um, he's he works in the school to the school district helping oh, wow. um because he grew up in Pine Hills. So yeah. his whole life purpose is to help other people who are growing up in the hood make it out yes. the hood. Shout right? out to her co-host. Yeah, yeah. Jay. We love out. Jay. Shout Jay is very like social justice. Social justice Jay. That's what we call him. Um, but yeah, he does a lot of, he he works with 95, The Wire. Um, oh, yes. He works with the people from The Wire. Um, I think he just left, but he was working with him for years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we, we have these like very intricate corporate par- corporate lives that mm-hmm. require us to be professionals 24 seven. And we just really wanted somewhere to just unwind. Like I have so much things in my head, so much conversations that I'll have with friends. Um, and us three, it is, it's funny how we came together. I got a partnership with a podcast studio that was giving us free stuff. And then nice. I was like, listen, I love your podcast already. Let, I'll join the team. Let's let's make things shake. Yeah. Um, so then we launched a podcast and we really just honestly, I was like, we don't care about the downloads. We didn't care about the followers for a long time. We didn't care about anything but just being able to have those conversations. And it was dope. Really, really good conversations. Very in-depth. Um, allowing other people to come on our podcast. We had people like Plus, Success Junior, um, yeah, So Jose. Yeah, yeah, yeah we were able to get all of these people on our podcast and really just give them the opportunity to stop, like, again, leading these, like, lives where you have to always be pripped and tuck and just come on and just vibe and talk shit. Like, mm-hmm. just talk shit. Yeah, if you want to cuss, cuss. If you, whatever. Right. I mean, when you decide to work with, Sponsors, you got to stop cussing, but right. uh, we're not there yet. But, but and I was like, cuss. we're not until we get there. We are going to get all of them out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just a space for people to just come vibe. Where the Sophista Ratchet podcast, <laughs> where you get to be sophisticated all you want to, but eventually we're gonna make you ratchet. I know that's right, as you should. <laughs> hey, let's get into your 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 professions now that you mentioned. Yeah. So what led you into that? And I know. Is it based on your? your it's definitely life. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was very intrigued with Haitian men cheating. Oh, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll keep it real with you guys. It had nothing to do with zero percent. It had nothing to do with zero percent. It had nothing to do with my schizophrenic mother. You know, it had nothing to do <laughs> with my <laughs> my bipolar brother. None of that. It had Haitian men cheating. I was just like, I grew up with my grandparents. My grandfather was a whore, <laughs> and that man, that man, I'll never forget this quote that my mom had, and I live with this quote. It's, 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 she was like. So you have the nerve to cheat on me with someone capace menado? Capace menado. This man's sixty years old. What you doing with a with a what you doing? Yeah, you can't even get up. What's going on? You just want her like that's what she was basically saying. You can't get up. You yeah. want somebody to just rub your back? Like that's what you want? <laughs> so I was. I'm shocked. So interested. <laughs> In the science behind Haitian men cheating. So that's why I started qualitative research. I started my first research project on infidelity. And I studied infidelity. What makes people cheat? Why do they cheat? So I ended up getting a mentor. And her specialty was infidelity as well. She was a social psychologist. Mm. Only black woman in the psychology department at UCF. Everything, right? So I'm like, here I am getting the best of the best. African woman who's Cuban changed her last name so that she wouldn't fit in with her colleagues. Changed her last name to white so that they wouldn't bother her African last name. So she knew that she would be discriminated against being the only black woman in psychology. So she changed her last name to white. And... um. Yeah, so we we researched infidelity. I did my own project. It was long distance relationships versus geographically close relationships. And I was like, why do people cheat? Why do you commit infidelity? And she added personality traits. And she was like, there's big five. There's five personality traits. And if you research those personality traits, you'll determine the decision-making process on things like infidelity and jealousy, um, relationship satisfaction, stuff like that. And I was like, dang, okay. So we did the research and I was like, wow, why do people cheat? Yeah. And we looked it up. We, we had 450 people complete our surveys and measures. And I was like, wow, like it really has nothing to do with what relationship type you have, Mm -hmm. whether you had previous people in your life cheating, whether you're male or female, it all depends on your personality. Who are you as a person? And what does relationships mean to you as a person? So are you conscientious? Are you one of those open and agreeable people? Depending on your personality determines your decision to cheat. So I was like, okay. The next year we went back. She's like, you got to do it again. I'm like, okay. So I wanted to research. I'll never forget the title. It's called Haitian Men Don't Cheat. I was like, I'm going to stir so much drama with this. Didn't complete it because Haitian people don't like taking surveys. Being honest. And being honest. So I was like, dang it. I didn't have enough. But, you know, now I would have enough Haitians. If I did this research today, I would have enough Haitians. Um, But yeah, so I really wanted to know why Haitians cheat. I grew up in a household with my grandfather cheating and my my um, aunt, who I call sister. I, I was like 11 years old having to witness the person just like they have this like thing. Haitians do this thing when someone cheats. They have a meeting as a family. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then they talk about it. Yes. And the decisions always don't leave him yep. and stay. Mm. So I was like, why? Why? Mm. So then I went into my career to figure it out. 
Why? Okay. Um, I ended up going completely different direction, right. but that was the goal was to understand the family relationship dynamic in Caribbean households. And I really wanted to understand why there was always this brokenness. Where's the, where's the brokenness in family? Where's the brokenness in relationships? And of course it goes back to slavery, right? Cause we, you know, men were ripped from the home. Women stayed with the kids, men when whatever, you know, because they were, they were sold off yep. more likely to be sold off because of their bronze, their, their ability to lift, handle hard things. And so I was like, dang, you know, why, why are Caribbean families so broken? And it makes sense. Like if you were history, if, if we go through history, the history buff, we go through history. We see that history didn't give black men the opportunity to be present in their homes. They were always taken away from their homes to be treated, mistreated at that, um, abused, hurt. Um, and so, that makes sense why there's the independent black woman trope. It's not because we decided to, if someone's removed from the home, obviously you have Mm -hmm. no choice, but to be independent. So, yeah. Surely, man. That was like, you going really (laughs) in right now. Um, We have this one um, statement that Jaco, our fellow co-host wanted to mention, and we don't have to get into the, this is that game. I want to just read the statement off to you and let me know. how. Okay. 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 All right. Yeah, a therapist like says, if you're self-isolating, when you're overwhelmed, you probably had to solve a lot of problems alone as a child. Yeah. Why do you say that? Yeah. So um, that post, I resonated with that post only because it's like it was a reoccurring theme in therapy last week. Like if I talked all of my clients were doing the self-isolation game and a lot of their problems came from their childhood, which was like, I had to do a lot at home for taking care of other people. So now that I'm an adult, I isolate myself because I'm only taking care of myself. So I always pour it onto other people. I don't give people the opportunity to pour onto me. So instead I withdraw and self-isolate. Wow. And that, is that like a mechanism for the things that you've been through or is it something that I, I could never tell you. I think it de- it depends on the person and the yes. decision to self-isolate. But I know that it's like if you never really felt like you had a safe space, you're going to always withdraw to the space that was safer for you, which is within yourself. I was saying, I was saying that this morning to yeah. my friend. I was telling her, like, if I can't have a safe space to, like, open up and, you know, be myself, like, I'm just going to keep it to myself. Right. There's right. no point. Right. I didn't know. Did you post it this yes, I did. Oh, yeah. I thought he just you grabbed it from somewhere nah, and just like ask her about this. Yeah. <laughs> no shade, right? Yeah. No. But um, yeah. I'm glad that you were um, able to share and open up as far as your life and what you're going through. But Maki, you could take it away with her five year. Uh, before, um, before I ask that, <laughs> I'm going back to um, Haitian Who Blood. Something that you guys did. Um, I really liked it because um, when you guys give the rec- uh, the recognition to to the people who are doing good, like mm-hmm. I saw like content creators, like you guys had like um, nominees and stuff. Yeah, oh, the, the Haitian award Creative show. Awards, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, a lot of people I talked to, they kept telling me that that was innovative, but I was I was just like, again, everything stems from what I wish someone would do for me. Mm-hmm. So, yes. like. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times, a lot of the, I, the, when people like I do so much, it's like, whenever I come up with something that I wish I had, I create it for the community. So, right. So like, if I feel like Haitian people deserve luxury events, I create luxury events for Haitian people. If I feel like Haitian people deserve recognition, I create the event. Cause if I don't see it, 
Yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna complain. I just make it happen, right? So the Haitian Creative Awards came 2017. I had just it's been like eight months since I launched Haitian Soup Blog. And I was like, man, Haitian people are killing the game and nobody knows it. Mm. And I was like, there's no one out here. There's there were recognition events, but they were always for entrepreneurs. And we are entrepreneurs, yes. but we have this, we have a specific thing that we're doing entrepreneurial, right? So it's not like it's not like we're we're e-commerce brands, we're selling on Amazon, we're selling on Walmart. Like right. that makes us important. But actually having creativity, something that is specifically yours that you're putting out. Like for there's this Haitian woman, and that's how like I when I first started. Haitian Sue blog. I always posted her. Her name is Bella Worldwide. She started a travel group yes. when travel agency, black travel agencies were popping. That was like 2016, 17. She created this travel group that hosted over 40 travel experiences for black people to travel mm-hmm. abroad in safe spaces with people that they're familiar with. And I promise you, most people probably have no clue who she is because Haitians only focus on musicians. And we, we have more than musicians. Yeah. Like musicians are important. Don't get me wrong, but influence is beyond musicians. It's beyond music. Right. So you have this woman hosted 40 travel groups. Um, she travels worldwide. The woman doesn't even live in U.S. She's everywhere else but the U.S. <laughs> and she's been doing this for 10 years. And I promise you, most people have no idea who she is. Mm. Right. And I'm like, wow, Mia, Mia. I love Mia. She's a host for Hot 97. Yes. Hot 97. If you love music, Hot 97 is the home of music, the home of hip hop, the home of R&B. And you have this Haitian woman behind the airwaves on Hot 97, mm-hmm. the the mecca of Black hip-hop. music. Yeah. And she's a host for Hot 97 past seven years. Wow. Guarantee you only a few people know her. You have um, Stitches. Stitches of 103.5 The Beat. She's been with, she's been 103.5 The Beat. Super Sydney, same people. But yes. these are people who've been a part of the game for a very long time that a lot of Haitians have no idea because we glorify our musicians and not the people who do mm-hmm. the, the bottom work. Right. So I was like, what would it look like if we just said, yo, shout out to you for doing something this year and not me choosing people, your, your audience choosing. choosing yeah. So um, I launched a Haitian creative. It went through so much transitions, but first time it was called the creative awards. Then I was like, nah, this is not distinctive enough. And I called it the, to Haitians who blog digital awards. And then I was like, no, Haitian creative awards. This is what it is. It's a Haitian creative awards that's held digitally. Um, and it blew up this year, but that's because we did a lot of marketing in 2021. <laughs> um, and to see the fruits of our labor, like it was actually the first year that we got paid for the awards that I paid my entire team. Like I said, I promise anybody, whoever did free work for me, we will get paid. Like I will yes. do whatever it takes to get us money, grants, work my ass off, whatever, because I believe in people who who believe in ideas and who don't think of income first. Because I wasn't mm. thinking about money when I created Haitian Subar. So I had a team of people who were riding, grinding with me for years. And that was like the first year we made so much money. And I was just like, y'all deserve it because y'all been here for a long time yes. where we didn't make nothing. So that uh, that period was so important because it showed me not only that people really cared, but businesses cared about Haitian creators contribution yes. in the industry. Wow. And 
Um, I wanted to, <laughs> my head just blew up after last year. And I was like, we're going to do live performances. And I was like, chill. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's give you another three years of keeping it basic. And then you can blow it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's that. If there's any project that's my baby, Haitian Creative Digital Awards has my heart. Like, that's yeah. Amazing. Recognizing, highlighting, spotlighting Haitian creatives, so, giving them the awards for doing the work that they did. TikTokers, mm-hmm. yeah, Haitians on the TikTok. If yes. you are Haitian TikTok, Haitian TikTokers are carrying <laughs> they are. the creative industry on there. So yeah, I true. felt like people deserve to know that we appreciate them for always putting on for the culture. And if not for the culture, just being Haitian and online and showing up and showing out. I love that. And I want to do um, mention this to you um, from all of our hearts. Um, We appreciate you. Thank you. Um, The fact that you are being that light for others to put their position and their platforms onto yours is very beneficial to our community. And I want to say personally that I appreciate the fact that you do that and out of your heart. Like you didn't have to do any of that, but you still do. That's true. Yeah. I want to give you your flowers as well because you're doing it yourself (laughs) on top of giving people flowers. So I want to give you your flowers as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Big fan. Yeah, because that was really amazing for real. (laughs) Yeah. But um, the following question that I have is, what do you see yourself in five years? I'm such a, um, I live in the here and now. And I always, I used to think that it was because I was a therapist, but I think it's, you know, yes, I know that being in the here and now is important as a therapeutic skill, but I try so hard to just think of what does today look like and how can I impact my next 24 hours that I never really think about five to 10 years. Like, Um, I've experienced and I, I've experienced so much loss. Like my mom died, my brother died. So mm-hmm. all these people we're talking about, they're all gone. Yeah. Wow. So my mother died, my bro- my my brother died, my grandfather died, my biological mom. So I've seen so many people gone who got to do nothing mm. that they aspired to do in five years to 10 years. And because That's of that, insane. yeah, because of that, That's I'm like, deep. what's the point of thinking about five years? Well, it's not what's the point. It's important. But I just know that my mom spent most of her life planning for retirement. And she always did this thing. She said it over and over again, over and over and over again. And she never made it. She never mm-hmm. got to retirement age. She passed away like 10 years before retirement. And I'm like, yo, imagine you. You're working, 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 working. She's grinding two jobs, putting on for, you know, her child. And her main goal was to see her child go to college, graduate, and then, you know, she'll retire. Right. So go to school. I graduate. She didn't make, she didn't even make it to my graduation. So it was like, you know, imagine that you did all of that and you couldn't see my graduation. You couldn't take all the money that you put away to retire in Haiti. And I was like, listen, nah, I'd rather live in today, whatever goals I accomplish in the next six months, the next two months, the next 24 hours. I want to be thankful, present, grateful, express gratitude, and whatever happens in five years happens. Whatever happens in 10 years happens. I don't know what's going to look like. I'm such a transformational person that I can't even put myself in that bracket of this is what I'm going to do in five years because it's going to change. So, yeah, I live very presently today. So if I can tell you what my goals are in the next six months, I really want a valued brand aligned, mission aligned partnership with a global brand. My goal is to work with a global brand and specifically with Haitians who blog. I'm so grateful that it actually happened last month. Um, and I'm just waiting for that paycheck to come in. All right. I'm waiting for the yes. Even if I don't get a yes, I'm going to live in the fact that I almost had 
a, yeah. a mission aligned partnership with a global brand. I'm just about to send that follow up today. And <laughs> if it happens, I've accomplished my goal for 2022. Wow. That's it. I love it. Yeah. That's a big shout out. I love yeah. that answer, actually. That's yeah, good. That's good. Well, we all appreciate you for coming here. Yeah. Again. And I hope this is not the the last song. No, <laughs> you feel me. You guys can always she have me back. back. <laughs> always have me back. <laughs> and um, I hope um, I hope that we, especially the this podcast, um, we definitely gonna hit you up, um, on some partnership as well because there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that we want to do and we want to um partner with people that's doing great in this community. Yeah, as well. for sure. So. That's a big shout out. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you guys for having me. I love you, Shirley. Oh, oh, yeah, so silly. Oh, before you go, go ahead yeah. and shout out your social media. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. Go ahead, take your time. So if you if you need one place to go to find anything about me, just go to at Shirley Dor underscore. I am literally the same person on every platform. Branding is my thing. I love branding, so my name stays consistent everywhere. I kept it short. That way, I could have the same name everywhere I go. So YouTube, Shirley Dor underscore, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, wherever there is a social platform, I'm most likely on it because I like making money. Um, <laughs> so you can find me on those platforms at Shirley Dor underscore. Once you hit any of those pages, I link everything that I do in my life. Um, you you won't miss an opportunity to know what I'm doing. Um, I'm, right now, I'm on a, a spiritual peaceful break so my content's very like whatever the hell that I want nothing specific <laughs> um, but yeah so you know you, now you guys are actually catching me in a renaissance I'm about to go to YouTube like I'm about mm. to expand myself um, and really transform into just being an entrepreneur only so yeah she gonna dominate that yeah, I know that shout out. Shout out. <laughs> you're we want to um, thank you again for allowing us to have this time with you of course you're a busy woman chat but, um, yeah, so we want to shout out um, our space that we're recording at, the Click House. Um, I want to shout out the people that are listening and watching. I hope that you guys found something that was useful, that can change the way that you look at life. I definitely found something that changed just based on the conversation. So I, yeah. I do hope that this was therapeutic for everyone listening. Again, big shout outs to Jayco. Um, we miss you and we can't wait for you to hear this episode. Yeah. <laughs> this episode. Thank you so much for reaching out. We were working tirelessly to get me on a podcast. So I yeah. was like, yeah, I was like, oh, uh, February and March was such a busy month, but April yeah. cleared up. So. Yeah, because we were DM you. Oh, oh my gosh. Uh, I was just like, shout out to you for being consistent. <laughs> no, you really do. Like, I, I do the same thing. Like, uh, uh, working with corporate bands, you got to send an email every three days. Yeah. So maybe this is like preparation for your that's next mission in line. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it takes months to secure partnerships to secure anything mm-hmm. with corporate brands. So like that's that's a little training for that, I, I guess. Love it. Yeah. I love it. So it's working, guys. Yeah. It's working. <laughs> <laughs> well, big shout out and I'll see you guys on the next episode. episode. See you guys. Let's get it. <laughs> All right, as you can see, discussions was open. Judgment was closed. Make sure you check us out in the next episode. And make sure to like, comment, and subscribe.